Manuel Neuer, Leroy Sane, Mesut Ozil, Joel Matip, Leon Goretzka, Julian Draxler. What do all these players have in common? While you guys are pondering over this answer, we're going to hear from Mehdi, one of my super listeners over in France. Every week, I want to hear from you guys. In every episode, I'll be sharing a voice note that my listeners send in. If you want to be heard, send over your voice notes to whatthefooty at hotmail.com. Over to you now, Mehdi. Thank you very much for your podcast. Big fan. Uh, one of the topics I would like you to cover or, you know, to get your insight on is how do you see the future of football in terms of trading of uh, players around Europe and how smaller leagues are now focusing on the trading of younger players rather than actually focusing on winning titles, uh, you know, main examples around at the moment are you know teams like Leipzig, uh, Monaco, uh, Porto who has been doing it for years now. One idea for you mate, uh, carry on what you are doing and you know all the best to you. Great minds must think alike because this episode is exactly that and the club and the answer to this question is Schalke. Schalke is the second biggest club in Germany and has one of the biggest fan bases in European football. This club has never been about buying Galacticos, and even more so in a global pandemic, they cannot afford to do so. I sat down with Head of International Marketing, Simon Gubisch, to understand how German football compares to English football. We spoke about the secrets behind their world-class academy, to how they compete on and off the pitch with Bayern and Dortmund, from the rise in Bundesliga talent coming over to the Premier League to whether 50 plus 1 needs to be scrapped. Guys, I hope you love this episode. Not like it. I hope you love it. So download, subscribe, rate and review and tell a friend to tell a friend. Let's go. What the footy? What the footy? What the footy? What the footy? Knew some other guys liked me, but I didn't know it was to that extent. Being a kid in primary school, now it's putting us. Powerful people, and I think they need to recognise that. But then also, they need to be represented the right way. Sport in general is nothing without fans. Uh, based on you know, one single source of revenue alone, that being the TV. Let's just win this to appease the fans. Welcome to the What The Footy podcast, the podcast that takes football fans behind the scenes, giving you insight into football business, management and operations. Today, I'm joined by a very, very special guest. He's a marketing guru. He's the brain and works behind one of the biggest clubs in world football, Simon Gubish. Welcome to the What The Footy podcast, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and also as well, congratulations on being the first person from an overseas club to come on the podcast, man. <laughs> it's a pleasure, man. It's a pleasure. Yeah, so obviously we'd like to start the show off with um, what the footy are you lying for? So uh, take me away with your uh, three statements, please. Yeah, I was thinking about and I collected uh, three facts. Um, just going to start. So uh, one fact is... Um, I was live at the stadium when we played uh, the biggest rival, Dortmund, uh, two years ago. Uh, the result was 4-4. Wow, what a game And we, we were down 4 nothing yeah. at halftime. And um, 
the fact is that I left the, the, the game in halftime and I didn't see the 4-4. Four, four. Wow. So fact number one. Fact number two, um, there was once a press conference for one of our China tours where I was traveling to, to Shanghai. So I was sitting in a plane for 12 hours. Um, then I was uh, driving down to the meeting for two more hours. We had the press conference for two hours. I drove back to the airport and flew back to Germany. Uh, for 12 hours so basically i was in an airplane for 25 or 24 hours just for a press conference and being in china for for six hours that's fact number two sure. and uh fact number three is um yeah the reason why i ended up in international marketing why i have such a, a big love for, for for football um, and, and different kind of sports uh, worldwide is the fact that i studied in the states uh, I, I had a soccer scholarship and I won the the, the, the national champion um, division two title twice in the States. So basically got two rings and that shows me, or it showed me that day that, uh, yeah, football or soccer, how you want to call it, is a game that, that, that shares love all over the world. And that, that was the fact why I wanted to, to work in that kind of business and why I, um, yeah, ended up there. The reason is that, yeah, national champion twice in the States was a big factor for that. So three facts, yeah. two are right, one is a lie. So, <laughs> so, sorry, so with the last one, you were national division champion at what, football? Yeah, it's soccer. Yeah, sure. But we, we call it football, they call it soccer. Yeah, yeah. Yes, twice. Um, twice. Twice in three seasons. So, yeah. Um, so I can imagine your job involves a lot of travel. So you've been in an aeroplane for 25 hours, I believe is true. Um, the Dortmund Schalke game, that was 4-4. What a game that was, but I don't believe you're somebody who would leave a game early. <laughs> um, so I'm going to say that's a lie. And I'm going to say... The final one about studying in the States, I'm going to say, is true. I should really know that because I, I like to do some digging before before I sit down with people. But um, <laughs> but we'll find that towards the end, man. Um, yeah, Simon, obviously, um, great to have you on the podcast. The main reason why I wanted to, to get you on is for this season, we're going to be deep diving into the inner workings of football clubs. And I think definitely the work that you're doing at, uh, at Schalke in terms of international marketing and growing the brand is definitely uh, a big thing and going to be an even bigger thing in the future for clubs as we're seeing over-reliance on TV revenue. We're seeing a lack of match day revenue due to due to COVID. So obviously great to have you here. I think probably the best way to start it off is just, just sort of talk me through what, what Schalke stands for, what's the vision and what's your strategy. If, if you talk about Schalke, it's a very special club, mm. um, big history, uh, a club that stands for home and family. So we we are still a member-owned club with uh, more than 155,000 members, which makes us, I think, the, the fourth or the fifth biggest sports club in the world, which is amazing. Um, obviously, fantastic supporters. Mm. That's what the club stands for. We, we saw it almost every game day. And it's a pity that uh, supporters are not allowed to the games at the moment um, because this is a big factor here at Schalke. Um, and then obviously the youth academy. So uh, if you look at world-class players all around the leagues at the moment, 
uh, quite a lot came from the Academy of Schalke. Yeah. So developing talent uh, is also something that the club stands for. And um, yeah, but besides that, I think also um, topics like innovation, technology, that's what Schalke stands for. We have a great arena. Um, with uh, we can roll out the field, we can close the roof, which uh, we are kind of the only club uh, in the Bundesliga. Um, so yeah, Schalke stands for a lot of different things, and um, it's a huge club. What's it? What's it like for you? Because obviously you mentioned that being a member-run club, obviously working under the fifty-plus-one rule. What's it? What's it like working for a club that operates with that model? Because it's very unique and different to to a lot of clubs <laughs> over here in England. Uh, definitely. So um, it's totally different to, to most of the clubs in England. Uh, it's also different to most of the clubs in Germany now. Uh, I, I think there are four clubs maybe left mm. that are member-owned clubs. I mean, honestly speaking, um, it is different to the other clubs mm. because you you don't have any investors. Um, obviously, you, you, you get money from the bank or, or somewhere else, but you don't really have the investors. Uh, which makes it even more important that the work you're doing um, helps you to stay competitive. That's why we have our own arena, so match day revenues go into our pocket. Um, we are pretty strong with, with uh, sales, sponsorships. Um, and obviously that brings pressure to, to us because we have to work pretty hard to stay competitive. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, this is also... Um, something the club stands for and um, makes the, the club very special. But yeah, if you talk about 50, 50 plus one rule, um, like I said, in, in Germany, you don't have any clubs. Um, you have a few clubs, but that's going back uh, back in the days because they were founded kind of by, 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 by companies. Mm -hmm. But usually you don't have any clubs with investors in Germany. You can still sell. Um, kind of shares of your your club, but not more than forty nine percent. And and I think just touching on that as well, and going into some of the work that you do, how how vital is the international sort of strategy there? Because I was looking at the the Lloyd Money League before I came on here, and I saw that from a commercial revenue sort of standpoint, that operates as a third of your of your of your revenue, which is obviously uh, no surprise there, due to the the need to to really try and push that and grow that. It's more than twice that of some Premier League clubs over here like West Ham and Everton. What's your sort of international strategy in terms of growing uh, Schalke worldwide? Yeah, definitely. That, that, that's why uh, the international uh, strategy is very important for a club like Schalke because yeah. uh, it's important for us to, to get new revenues all over the world. Um, that's why we look into China, we like look into the United States. Um, but but still, it, it, it's not that easy. Mm. Uh, I mean, just because you, you you have a marketing strategy for for market in China, doesn't mean that you, you you find sponsors and get the money. I mean, our focus is, is, is more on the youth football development project side mm. because I think that's what we stand for, where we have the biggest expertise, um, and that's something we we earn money with on the the foreign markets for sure. Yeah, and I'm just going to touch on that as well. I was going to say how much of your famous academy like how much of that almost contributes to you guys growing the brand because obviously be, being a club like whether you want to look at Goretzka, Manuel Neuer, Gundogan, as uh, obviously plays for the team that I support yeah. huge 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 talents that you guys have produced 
Definitely. I mean, if you look at international marketing, mm. uh, first of all, you have to make sure, hey, what does the club stand for? What is the unique selling um, stuff you you have on foreign markets? And if you look at Schalke, I mean, we haven't won a Bundesliga title since a long, long, long yeah, time yeah. ago. We won the, 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 the UEFA Cup in 1997, which was the biggest sporting success, but which is also back in the past. Um, we don't really have that superstars in the team, um, mm. so there are no players that you can probably use to uh, to market them on foreign uh, markets. That's why for us, basically everything we do uh, is w- is related to youth football development. That's mm. why it plays a very important and a very big role in, in our strategy. Um, and you see that if you look at the projects, mostly it's involved somehow uh, and connected to, to coaches from the academy, to, yeah. to kids, uh, to digital workshops with coaches. Um, so, yeah, it plays a huge, huge role in our strategy. What's, what's the secret behind this? Well, obviously, if you can, dis- obviously if you can disclose <laughs> it, but the ability to yeah, yeah, yeah. continually reproduce like quality player after quality player, what's, what's the real secret behind it? I'm honoured that uh, the, the work... I do is very connected to the youth football department, yeah. to the academy, which gives me the chance to to look behind the scenes, to to work a lot with these people, to get to know these people. And I think the biggest secret are the people that work for the club, mm. because I mean, honestly speaking, training schedules, exercises, these are things that you can find online everywhere. It just depends on the people, yeah. how to pl- implement it in the club, and yeah. And I think. Uh, one very important fact, and that's also everywhere when they talk about our academy, is um, that you have a long-term vision that also relates to the coaches you work with. So our under-19 coach, Norbert Elgert, I think he's the under-19 coach in more than 20 years now. Mm. So basically, yeah, he, he has the right, um, the right mechanism to, to, to develop these kids when they come into the under-19 and give them the last few percentage they need to sure. to be able and to be ready for a professional career. So I think that's also a big um, thing at the academy. No, definitely, man. And what would you say is, is the sort of the main challenges of growing the brand globally? Because you've, you've touched on a few of them so far. What would you say are the, the sort of key challenges for growing the brand? I mean, right now, the biggest challenge is COVID. Yeah. Uh, it makes it... It makes it very hard because, uh, I mean, usually I was traveling like a lot uh, this year on, yeah, I haven't stepped into an airplane this year at all. Mm. Um, and, and you can imagine, I mean, most of our projects, they involve the academy, which means that our coaches are on site because our philosophy is not to to have local coaches and just kind of teach them for, for a week and then say, okay, now you're a Sharky coach, you work for us more the commercial approach for us the strategy is more like if we work on a foreign market and if we sell Schalke and the, the useful development of Schalke then we want our coaches to be on site yeah. which now is pretty difficult because you can't send coaches nowhere yeah. which makes it hard for us to move these projects forward um, that's the biggest challenge at the moment. Obviously, then another big challenge is the culture. I mean, you have so many different cultures on the foreign market. China is completely different to Germany. United States is more similar to Germany than China, but still also completely different with, 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 with other focus on sports. 
like football, basketball, um, ice hockey, baseball, yeah. big, big, big competition. So, yeah, before you enter foreign markets, you always have to think about what's the culture, culture there. Uh, what can we adapt it? Can we adapt our uh, culture to their culture to be successful? Yeah, I think these are the biggest challenges. Yeah, no, definitely. And obviously, I think you sort of alluded to earlier how the focus on the international marketing strategy is more to do with the youth academy. Obviously, with a lack of grassroots football being played, are you guys trying to pivot that strategy and go in another direction, or are you still trying to 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 hone in on the on, on the youth side? No, I think with, with the youth football um, focus, we are going the right way. Mm. Um, obviously, that also involves projects, grassroots projects, um, where we don't have coaches involved all the time, but still we bring the expertise how to develop kids. Mm. And I think that makes it uh, pretty out, out, authentic because I don't think it would fit to Schalke if we start promoting players, try to make them superstars, even if they're not kind of on an international <laughs> level so yeah uh, to to be authentic and that's what 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 Schalke always tries to do is uh, i think we will stick to youth football development you you never know i mean it can change you see yeah. with, with with dortmund our rivals <laughs> yeah. they had a pretty successful sporting um area with with club and um that's that's why their brand is also connected connected to German Championships, Champions League, they develop superstars. So it can change. Um, and obviously our goal is to change that in the future. And uh, mm. it's the goal of every club. But I think right now we are good with focusing on, on the youth football development side. Yeah, and I think that leads leads on nicely to um, to what I wanted to ask regarding more so the Bundesliga side is that you almost mentioned towards the start how... The, the lack of superstars within the team means that you have to really play on the history of the club to really to really improve it. What do you think is lacking and missing within within the Bundesliga? Do, do you almost believe that if the league was more competitive that it would help your international strategy more and almost make, make that scale even quicker? I mean, obviously, competition is key mm. for, for a league to be... Um, yeah, to to be interesting on on foreign markets, people want to watch the the big games. And if you don't have many big games, I mean, if you look at the, the Bundesliga at the moment, the biggest game is always Dortmund versus Bayern. Mm. If you look to the Premier League, you have Liverpool, Manchester City, uh, Manchester City, Manchester United, uh, Chelsea, Arsenal. So you have way more big games, and uh, I think obviously. It would be good for the competition if Bayern wouldn't win every year. But first of all, first of all, the clubs have to look at themselves and, and, mm. and say, OK, we need the sporting success first because, um, yeah, that's also essential. Do you know what it is? I think the Bundesliga, I think in the last couple of years, I think it's really improved. I think in terms of, from where it used to be especially, I think if you look at the number of German coaches coming over to, whether it's England or around the, around the world, if you want to look at, good players like Havertz and Timo Werner coming over to here as well. Um, but what I wanted to really ask you, do you almost feel as though 50 plus one and the lack of outside investment is hindering the league and hindering uh, the Bundesliga and the clubs within from, from really growing to, to, to bigger brands? Yeah, I mean, it, it always depends. Not having a 50 plus one rule doesn't mean that the clubs work more successful. Mm. I mean, you have also examples where 
an investor came in and he kind of destroyed the club completely. Mm. I think clubs can also be successful with the 50 plus one rule. It always depends on the management, mm. being honest. Um, it depends on the people who, who lead the club, who rule the club um, to be successful at the end of the day. Yes, during these days where clubs have a market value of 600, 700, 800 million uh, euro, if you bring in an investor, that's a huge amount of money that you could spend on either players or develop the academy or the infrastructure, um, for sure. But 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 still, it all depends on the people who will take over. If the if it's an investor who wants to to rule the club by himself but has no clue about uh, football, yeah. football and, and and the business, that's dangerous. Um, and at the same time, who wants to invest so much money but then take or, or, or give the lead or make, make, make another person run the club uh, in his name um, while he's investing so much money? It's always a difficult question. But um, yeah, I think the Bundesliga is on the right way. If, if you go, if, if you look at where we are coming from, I think the, the DFL, especially the international department with the broadcasting rights, they did an amazing job in the last years. Um, obviously, other leagues like the Premier League are still ahead. I think that also the reason for that is also that back in the days where technology wasn't like it's today, um, the game that was broadcasted, uh, the, the Premier League game that was broadcasted, it was easier to bring it in the world because you already had English uh, uh, commentator and stuff like this. Whereas for the German League with the German uh, commentator, um, yeah, it wasn't popular to to sell that to to other markets because you just didn't have the resources, the infrastructure to do that. So, the Premier League is 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 still way ahead, but I think the Bundesliga is going into the right uh, the right direction. Um, now we have a setup uh, as well with with offices in, in in New York, with offices in China, in Singapore. Um, so that definitely helps to to grow the league and, and move it forward. And then also it's the work of the clubs, what they do on the international market uh, to support the league, um, to, to grow the interest in the league, which allows the, the, the league itself then to, to ask for more money from the broadcasters, which goes back to the clubs and helps us to to move forward as well so it's like a circle no, def- a circle of, of process <laughs> no definitely and i wanted to ask as well how, how closely uh the people like yourself and uh, the team that you work with liaise and speak with the with the guys at the bundesliga on the international front yeah i mean we have pretty good connection to to the to the bundesliga offices uh, either in china here in germany or even the united states and i think that's very important because you have to um yeah you have to work together if 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 um if everybody's doing his own thing um i think it's hard to to move forward and on on international markets um you can say the focus on representing the league is is, is, is even a little bit higher mm. um so you you also try to work more directly with the clubs maybe do viewing parties together or use the mascots for marketing activities stuff like that um so yeah, I think um, the relationship to the league is is, is pretty good, um, and it grows. I mean, you see it um, in the offices of the league; uh, more people work there every year. Um, you see it with the clubs themselves. Like we have an office in Shanghai now. I think seven or eight Bundesliga clubs now do have representative offices in in China, and and that just shows us that the league is on the right track. 
Um, unfortunately, with COVID, everything yeah. kind of got a break and you don't know how things will develop in the future, but um, still moving into the right direction, for sure. No, definitely not. And I think one of the big things for the Bundesliga as a whole was it was obviously the first big major league to, to come back after COVID. And I think that obviously drew in a crowd who don't regularly probably watch the Bundesliga as well. But I, I definitely think it's on the right tracks. And I, I was speaking with someone, I did, did an episode about Scottish football. And what I was really saying there is just because a league is a one-horse race or, or two-horse race or whatever you want to call it, doesn't devalue the league as a whole. There's always things you can pick out there, whether it's the players who are coming over from your league that you're producing at the academy level, going on to play well for their national teams or, or coming over here as well. And, um, yeah, it's now obviously time for you to uh, reveal your answers to uh, what the foot are you lying for, man? <laughs> yeah, man, you were pretty right. So, um, I never left a football game before the final yeah. whistle and I will never do that. Yeah. Not even if I will be stuck in traffic afterwards. Yeah. I don't care because I always say, Man, there can be the goal of the century in the 94th minute, even if it was the 5-1. Yeah. But then you miss it. So I was I was at the game. We were down four nothing at halftime. A um, lot of comments into my direction uh, from the Dortmund supporters, but I said, <laughs> yeah, okay, we, we'll see. And and yeah, amazing game, and uh, that's why we we work in the business for yeah moments like that. And then the other two things, yeah, I traveled to China once for for a press conference because uh, we had to do that and it didn't really fit into the travel schedule. So mm. it had to be done, um, but it was a fun experience kind of uh, to be in and out in such a short time. And the other thing, yeah, with the national champion, um, I used to play for a university in the States and we, we made it twice to the final four and won it twice. And I also played, I had a lot of team colleagues from, from, from the UK, amazing people, uh, lots of fun with them, so, but you were pretty fine and pretty right with your answer. No, awesome, and I'm happy with that, because uh, last season I made a sluggish start, <laughs> um, so, um, okay. so yeah, but, but we always like to end the show with the what the footy question, and uh, what the footy would you like to see happen or, or change within the space that you work in? Um... Yeah, that, that that that's a good question. I think how how can I say that? I think it's very important that we we still keep the game of football alive. Mm. And don't make it too too commercialized. And I think it's very important that we are still able to reach the kids because sometimes if you if you look at the kids these days, I mean, they lose the interest in, in, in football because there's so much stuff going on with, with digital stuff video and, games. and sports yeah. and uh, video games and all that stuff. So if I compare myself with the kids from today, I mean, I used to just go outside, play on the street, somewhere on the pitch, uh, in front of the house, wherever. You don't really see these kids anymore. And I think it's, it's very dangerous because at the end of the day, the people like us, we grow, our parents grow, grandparents grow. These were the people who, who had that big love for the game. And yeah. uh, we have to make sure that we still keep the, the new generations. And I think that, that means that 
that the clubs and the football business have to change a little bit in terms of what we offer to these kids. We have to make sure that that we offer them um, a product that they, they still want to be with and, and, and stick to. And I think that's a big challenge. Um, but yeah, we, we'll see how that will go. Uh, and also now with, with, with COVID, I think all the clubs have to, to think about how to move forward. Um, they have to use the time uh, to make improvements um, because some things are still old school with the football club. Yeah. And I think they have to change to be competitive uh, with the new technologies um, because we don't just compete with, with the other clubs. I mean, we compete with a lot of stuff these days. If it's eSport, if it's, like you said, video games, um, if it's other brands, lifestyle, influencers. Um, so, yeah interesting future ahead of us um, some things have to change but I think but I think most of the clubs are aware of that and working on that um, I mean I can't just speak for Schalke but mm. we are very aware of these situations and we work on solutions yeah I see you guys also have an, an, an augmented reality app as well don't you that engages with the fan yeah yeah, yeah. exactly St- stuff like this I mean um, if, if you look at a kid watching a football game he watches it like for 20 minutes and the other time he's looking on his phone doing other stuff yeah. so you have to combine it somehow that he's still using his phone but he's watching the game at the same time stuff like this um, no definitely man. very interesting and, and, and I think also for you uh, I think maybe some homework for yourself is I'd love to see especially in a world where we're seeing more clubs do fly on the war documentaries and going behind the scenes whether it's Netflix or Amazon I would love to see a documentary that goes in, goes behind the scenes at Schalke, looks at how you built the academy to the level that it is now, because everyone speaks about what Ajax have done, but Schalke, people almost forget the fact that some of the best players in the world right now, you guys produce them, man. Yeah, for sure. So um, that's also something we always come up with. Mm. And um, But you have to find the right time. Yeah. Um, you need to... Um, talk to the relevant people because yeah. as you can imagine a coach who coached kids for, for many many years um, his way he's not very um, happy if you tell him okay now we, we're going to take the video camera and yeah. be behind you for, for the next week so but yeah if, if you do it the right way I think there's definitely a chance that, that, that also people will be able to watch something like that um, about Schalke in the near future um, because, like I said, this is something that, that also changed. People want to see more uh, than 20 years ago. They, yeah. They're interested in the behind-the-scenes stuff. And you have to adapt. I mean, if you look at the all-or-nothing stuff mm. with Tottenham, with Man City, I think these episodes brought a lot of new, um, I wouldn't call them fans, but they show interest in the club just because they watch them. Um, so I think, yeah, the, the club's they are aware of that and if you look at the Bundesliga there are also a lot of episodes behind the scene from Dortmund from Bayern from from other clubs so also a thing where the Bundesliga is moving into the right direction to stay competitive with other leagues as well no definitely man and hopefully I get invited to the Premier as well man if it ever happens (laughs) yeah 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 I mean hopefully uh, travel restrictions and all that stuff will be better in the, the next year 20 21 and um yeah then i definitely let you know no definitely man simon gubich marketing guru 
Head of International Marketing at FC Schalke. Absolute pleasure having you on the What The Footy podcast. It was a pleasure. Loved it, man. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much for your time, man. You're welcome. Cheers, bye. Have a good day, man. I can pop a beer in here, right? Your cousin from Boston. This here is Sam Adams Boston Lager. It's my go-to beer. Not too heavy, not too... Oh, boy. Oh, boy. That's... Whoopsie-daisy. Oh, no. Is there somebody... Somebody that can help? Come on in the room. It just... It poured right in the keyboard. Relax. I spill beer on my computer all the time. Sam Adams Boston Lager. The Boston Beer Company. Boston, Massachusetts. Drink responsibly. Keep up with Team USA with gig speeds over Wi-Fi from Xfinity. Can your internet do that? Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Requires gig internet and compatible gateway. Gig speed Wi-Fi is shareable across all devices. Actual speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Xfinity, proud partner of Team USA.